0: This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Driven by Data, the podcast, season two, powered by our vision group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We're delighted to bring you another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, which boasts even more data analytics and AI thought leaders across the globe. Our aim remains the same to uncover how some of the most prominent leaders within the data analytics community tackle our industry's most trending topics, told in order to share knowledge, ideas, and experience, and just as in season one, to give back to the global data and analytics community. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season two. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Lara Islan, who is the Director of Data Strategy at ITV. So, Lara, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thanks, Kyle. I've been really looking forward to chatting with you. I've seen uh, the lineup of speakers in, that you've had in, in your previous series and in this one, and I'm very honored to be invited.
0: No, no, the pleasure is is all ours and uh, more more than a worthy guest, Lara. So we're looking forward to uh, to kind of uncovering today's topic. But I guess before we do that, where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into their background and, I guess, journey up until kind of present day, if uh, if you would.
1: Sure. Um, so Lara Islan, Director of Data Strategy at ITV. I've been at ITV for about three and a half years. Um I worked in digital media for for many many years, actually, um, across a few different roles and a few different types of companies. So I've worked in consumer research, uh, strategic planning, advertising technology, and then and then now in a sort of group uh, group wide uh, data role. I've been in uh, I've, I've been working for some of you know the recognizable global and UK brands like AOL, Disney, Telegraph, AutoTrader, and obviously now uh, ITV. And I think even though the my career has been a little bit squiggly throughout um, throughout digital media, the the sort of uh, unifying factor or unifying thread that's run across all of the uh all of the roles I've done in my career so far has been data and specifically the use of data as a catalyst and an enabler for digital transformation. And and that's been a really, really exciting journey uh, over the last couple of decades or so. Uh, Coming back to ITV, I joined ITV uh, three and a half years ago. Like I said, I originally came in to build and lead its first data team specifically to support commercial advertising. Uh, And in that role, my team and I were responsible for data partnerships. Uh, data products and solutions, advanced analytics, uh, all in support of ITV's advanced advertising proposition. And about a year and a half ago, I moved into this new role. So now uh, my team and I are looking at data strategy for uh, for for the whole group.
0: Nice. There's very some very impressive names on your CV, which is oh, uh, some lengthy.
1: some names. Uh, one or two of them actually <laughs> don't exist anymore. So <laughs> yeah. if you have uh, kind of younger listeners. Uh, they may not recognize what AOL is, for example. <laughs> yeah. Um
0: yeah, but that's... it was
1: it was certainly an interesting time working with AOL as that that was a company that was continuously reinventing itself throughout, you know, the whole digital and digital media re- revolution. So, you know, for those who hadn't heard of the company before, if that's possible, I'd definitely look into it as a as a bit of a kind of yeah. case study.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think we used to have um AOL dial up internet <laughs> when I yes, when, I was, a, I, when I was a when I was a when I was a child. Yeah, that's kind of the the, the fond memories of when the, the web first came about for, for me was was AOL, yeah. So um so look, obviously anyone in the UK and probably you know close proximity to the UK will know what ITV is. Um, However, we do have, you know, 13,000 listeners in 116 different countries. So there might be some people out there listening from from overseas that might not know what ITV is. So just give them a very high level overview of ITV and and who they are, what they do.
1: Sure. So ITV is the UK's oldest and largest commercial broadcaster. Um, We have a portfolio of linear broadcast channels. Um, that cover kind of different demographic groups from you know our ITV main channel all the way to CITV for example which is the children's channel and then yep. you know other other demographics are served within that portfolio as well. Uh, we also run um, a streaming service uh, called ITV Hub and we've recently actually announced that we'll be launching uh, a brand new uh, streaming service called ITVX later this year. And that is a service uh, with over 35 million uh, registered users. So one of the biggest streaming uh, services, certainly from a broadcaster in the UK. Um, And then additionally, so ITV is an integrated producer um, uh, broadcaster. We have got ITV Studios, which is an international content and distribution business, the largest uh, production company in the UK. Um, uh, and and ITV Studios produces content for both our own ITV uh, channels and streaming service, but also for other networks and and um, streaming companies as well. So, your international listeners may have heard of Love Island, for example, uh, which is a popular ITV franchise, and it's currently available in I want to say more than twenty countries have their own version of love island so it's quite mm-hmm. a popular one as well as kind of program and drama series like um snow um and bodyguard which is an award-winning program that came out a couple of years ago yep. so hopefully uh some of yep. your listeners will have heard of us
0: yeah absolutely so look kind of keen to jump into the meat of the topic which is all around obviously how the you know the role of data in helping to transform businesses. I guess before we do that though you talked about you came in to ITV to do one particular role and obviously that's grown and evolved over time now into a a group-wide role across the entire business. Just talk us through that in a in a little bit if you would because that, that that always fascinates me kind of the 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 model of you know come in do one thing do it well prove it works and then you get rein to to more to to more and bigger opportunities, right?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, I'll take a step back and just explain kind of where where ITV is on its data data journey, and then we can definitely get into the specifics of how we're rolling it out. So, um, I'm a member of the data and AI senior leadership team, and as a as a leadership team and t- the the wider team in general, we are responsible for building and launching a group wide multi-year transformational data strategy program. So it's it's um, it's quite a big undertaking and it's all in support of the uh, the wider ITV corporate strategy around digital transformation. Um, so as I say, it's a comprehensive transformational program. And what I mean by that it's it you know it ranges all the way from building the underlying and foundational data architecture through partnerships with technology platforms and tooling. It it also includes an operational, um, a new operating model uh, to ensure that we're putting the teams in place in the right structure. And we'll probably talk a little bit about structure later on as well to make sure we embed data driven thinking across uh, the business. So it's not, um, so data moves away from being a kind of siloed black box organization to being fully embedded into the business. And then probably the most important aspect of the of the the transformation program is ensuring that as a as a data team as data experts we embody and champion the cultural and kind of mindset changes that are needed in order to ensure that these new capabilities new tooling this new uh, the new teams that we're bringing on all of this land within the business and actually. Um, are able to realize the promise of the value that, you know, that, that data can unlock. Um, Mm. So it's, it's quite a wide ranging sort of program. Now, in terms of kind of my responsibility and my team's responsibility, um, we, as a, as a strategy uh, function, we cover both the uh, sort of translation and implementation of, you know, some of those strategic and theoretical concepts into kind of you know, what they actually mean in terms of people and process and platforms. And, uh, you know, my, my sort of main focus areas at the moment, as a program is now kind of underway, is hiring and leading a team of data product strategists that will kind of, you know, make sure that we can roll out this strategy in a successful way. And each one of those product strategists basically in turn, they lead a cross-functional team of engineers, data scientists, data analysts with support of governance and architecture. Um, and they are responsible for actually building and delivering those data products and solutions into the business areas across the group. Um, mm. You've already nodded a little bit to the iterative approach and how we are one of the one of the main principles of the program for us is is to ensure that we're rolling out and in, in the right sequence and the right and the right pace. For change so that we can start to unlock value straight away. Um, and so, for example, with the teams, we've, you know, we've started with um, uh, standing up the teams for marketing, um, then advertising. Uh, recently we stood up a team for product, and we'll roll out the teams um, over the course of the program into other areas as well, such as content and distribution, finance, and other areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of, of doing it in iterative ways that we can build gradually and start to unlock value from the start. And I guess the other key focus area, which again, I've already nodded to, is ensuring that those data product teams that we've now stood up in those different, um, to support those different business domain areas, they are driving a, a, a kind of very value oriented um, uh, product development culture and mindset. And that means putting in place the processes to ensure that the way we prioritize, the way we design, the way we develop, the way we implement some of these data solutions, they are, they are rolled out in such a way that they can contribute measurable commercial value to ITV. And so it's important not only that we you know it the 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 value-based thinking or the value-based approach is something that is present throughout the entire kind of process from the design phases through delivery through testing through actually measuring the outcomes and then learning and optimizing off the back of it so that's you know putting all of those things in place in in place with the with the right teams across the businesses is, is um is the task and the challenge?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, there's so much great stuff in 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 here, Lara. I'm looking forward to kind of you know getting into some of the detail on some on some of this stuff. The product stuff fascinates me because I think we've seen a massive shift towards that, right? And that seems to have, for whatever reason, and I'd be very keen to get your thoughts on this. That seems to have triggered this ability for data teams and and data organisations to. To kind of start getting more adoption and more buy-in for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. an approach that you've decided to take. Let's let's start there then with that, because obviously you've put quite a lot of emphasis on the, the the product kind of led culture that drives a value led culture. So, what's been the thinking behind going in that product route, and, and I guess how we, how are you making sure that that kind of all works properly? So,
1: I think we've tried as a as an industry and probably kind of the kind of in a wider perspective we've tried to think about data in in kind of lots of different ways right so we've always sort of recognized we recognized quite early on i think that data was going to be crucial to the development and ongoing success of businesses um and this is not some this is not something this is not something new. So even before kind of the digital revolution, uh, businesses relied on research and financial information and um you know any intelligence that can gather from the market in order to make sound business decisions. Now, obviously, with the rise of the internet, the digital revolution, the you know, big data, um, we've got so much more data at our fingertips. Um And, um, and alongside that, there's been so much change in kind of consumer behavior and business models, you know, in this industries have been disrupted in a, in a massive way in a relatively short period of time. And all of that has been a catalyst for businesses to go, look, I really need to kind of get a handle on data because more now more than ever, you know, this is what's going to either drive my business or save my business um and but i think you know in that sense of urgency i i think we've maybe lost our way initially when thinking about how we roll out data to support business transformation um you know i think even as as recent as 5 or 10 years ago we were thinking about um transforming businesses with data as a technology challenge first and foremost so where data and technology was set as an objective as in something we needed to do something we needed to put in place rather than a means for how to get us there right so to some extent um i think the media industry has been particularly guilty of this um for the last decade or so um and i've seen it in various different companies you know there's been this quest for greater and greater automation Um, you know, in advertising specifically, you know, how do we use data for hyper-targeting? And it was all done ostensibly to sort of increase ROI, but in practice, it just spawned a kind of a fragmented market of technology middleware, right? That has, you know, made the whole process so opaque, Uh, it's eroded trust in the market, Um, but... I think there's a realization now that that this this needs to change, and it's it is an opportune moment to kind of re reinvent what we can do with data in order to you know in order to to uh, drive successful businesses. So I think where the product thinking comes in here is that we've I'd like to think that we now know that while technology is important, it's only one aspect of transformation. And data has a wider role in that process of change, right? I mean, it's obvious to say, but it's worth saying again and again, data is there to kind of facilitate, to enable, uh, to empower the cultural and mindset change that needs to happen in an organization. And I think the product-led approach lends itself really well to be, being able to do this because there are core concepts there around um ideation around discovery, around test and learn and experimentation, around having a kind of a longer term or a, or, a, or a wider set of corporate objectives that can be broken down into manageable chunks of outcomes that can then trickle down into the teams that will eventually build and deliver the solutions that will ladder back up to those to those uh, you know high level objectives. Um there's concepts of agility and and um and you know as a as a means to kind of focus teams on on uh, iter you know it, iterating on 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 the development. and all of that I think lends itself really well to what it is that we're trying to do. So we are trying to deliver solutions that will sit alongside the 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 cultural and mindset changes, but ultimately deliver you know, business outcomes. So in our case, we like to think they kind of business, business value. And I think, you know, I think that product mindset has been really important in that shift from kind of going technology first to going business first.
0: Mm, if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> a- absolute sense. Yeah. I've got a sore neck from nodding so much <laughs> already. And we're only kind of 15, 20 minutes in Lara, which is always a good sign. So, um, no, look, I think you're absolutely spot on there with everything that you've said. I think one thing that fascinates me with this, and you kind of touched upon it very briefly there, and this may be the answer to, to this question, but it kind of feels to me like we've only, and when I say we, I mean us as a collective data industry, we've only just kind of fathomed that the whole purpose of this is to help us to transform businesses right? You know, I kind of feel like up until relatively recently, we've been trying to get data into the right hands of the people that make decisions because that's just, you know, it, there was a value add in that. But ultimately, I think that we've now kind of realized that by doing that, it's going to allow businesses to to kind of transform and flourish and keep going in their right direction against their, their own corporate and business strategies, right? You mentioned, obviously, the, the play with technology and that just something that happens, it doesn't kind of fuel transformation on its own. So it, it may be very well linked there. But why do you think we're only kind of just now getting to that point of starting to have conversations to say like, look, you know, data is here to trans help the business transform. We know we're not just using data because, you know, of course, we want ROI and we want value out of it. But ultimately, there's a, it's almost like this transformation piece has become the bigger purpose that we're all now striving for.
1: Oh, there's so many. Probably so many different strands that kind of lend itself to the answer uh, to why now. Um, I think first and foremost, at least in our industry, but probably in many other industries, particularly post post COVID, and you know, and the the resulting massive changes in in consumer behavior around the world. There is a sense of urgency um, and for many industries, I think it is existential question. You know, how do we as an industry continue to not only survive but thrive in this new landscape? How do we successfully pivot if we need to pivot, accelerate if we need to accelerate in order to you know, continue to have a successful, sustainable business model into the future that will enable us to continue to deliver the, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is, product services um, uh, uh, value to the consumers that we serve, right? And in the face of that challenge, uh, but also opportunity, I think, there's been a sharp refocusing of all aspects of the business that 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 needs to change in order for for us to achieve those uh achieve those goals and data is very much part of that and it's becoming more and more part of that i think secondly we have like i said we've been trying to do this for some time and we've made some mistakes and we are i think kind of mature enough in that sort of process, maybe two, maybe three decades in to actually consider what we've done before, realize that it hasn't worked and actually let's let's have a rethink about this, right? We can't just bang in a, a data platform and, and assume that everyone's going to use it. We can't just build data capabilities in a silo and then uh, expect the company, company to magically be ready for it you know, like I said before, we've we've moved on enough now that we we should be stopping and reflecting and thinking about how we roll this out properly. So there's a there's a body of learning I think that's in place that we can take from, and this sort of existential urgency, uh, you know, in in the kind of wider economy today that I think is is you know is it's a perfect storm, I guess.
0: Yeah, and yeah. the
1: time is now.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just it's fascinating to me because I think we've we've always known that data should play such a, a pivotal and defining role in you know businesses getting ahead and thriving, as you said, and you know trying to stay ahead of the competition and and blah blah blah. But yeah, it just seems you know recently this whole transformation banner has you know started, it's almost like clicked you know and you like, as you yes. said it's possibly just a a case of we've not quite figured it out up until now, and this is the next iteration of, of, of our own journey, I guess, which is, is interesting. Um, I know one of the things that you talk a lot about is uh, a value-led approach, right, which is um, really interesting and, and absolutely correct in, in, in my mind. Often, you know, we hear phrases data-driven or data-enabled or data-informed. Um, what are the differences then, I guess, practically, for someone like yourself and your team in a a big organization like ITV? You know, what is that difference between value-led or data-driven or one of the other kind of adages that we we use?
1: So the value-led approach, as we've defined it and are implementing it across the business, is the way to provide some discipline and rigor around how we roll out Data across the organization. So the, the the main objective is, you know, to be data driven across the organization. To partner with with the business in order to deliver data driven intelligence and solutions. Um, but the the kicker at the end is that drive value for ITV, right? So the two work hand in hand. Now I think the value led approach applies. In at least kind of three different ways. I'll just I'll just kind of break down what I mean by value led, uh, just to kind of make it a bit more manageable. Because often um, the kind of questions that I get back when when we talk about value led is, you know, how do you define value? Um, surely value means different things for different um, organizations. Um, isn't that too much work? Like you know to actually <laughs> map. Um, every single uh, iteration or activity to a pound figure or a dollar figure, you know, um, you know, surely that can't be measured on an ongoing basis. There's a lot of challenges, but I'd like to talk about actually, and for us to focus on what the benefits are of the approach as a as a, as a kind of a principle, right? So the first thing I think is um, taking a value-led approach to rolling out a program, be a data program or any any program really, I think, ensures the discipline of mapping ideas to company profitability, right? So a lot of times the ideas just get generated from all sorts of different places. Sometimes it's a a pet project from someone higher up. Sometimes it's like maybe a competitive threat. You've heard that, you know, your competition has done uh, something maybe we should be doing that as well is all sorts of different ideas. Um, so I think you know this approach ensures the discipline in the early stages of the of of working through a potential data uh, product of mapping those ideas to company profitability. And for some projects, it's easier than others, right? So the link between a data initiative um, and value can be straightforward. For example. Uh, Building um, an advertising targeting product that we want to make available to our advertiser customers. In that case, value can be directly measured by the revenue generated from those products. So that's pretty straightforward. But for the most part, a lot of the um, applications of data to the uh, to the business, the link is um, uh, the link to company profitability takes needs like a couple of hops, right? So uh, for example, building kind of a data-driven, personalized user interface for for, for website um, will generate an increase in user engagement or time on the website that will uh, create the capacity for, for revenue through advertising opportunities or will create um, uh, an increased conversion to purchase and an increase in basket size or something like that, mm-hmm. and so you know the, the the data initiative it takes two hops through different KPIs to get to the profitability number, but it's worth thinking through that, and and it's worth thinking what sort of impact that that project can have on that outcome. Uh, so you understand how you know what the potential value is of prioritizing that outcome over any anything else. So I think there's just that. Um, that discipline, you know, of ensuring that every idea that comes in has a link to company profitability. The, the, second, the second bit, which is related, obviously, is, is the rigor that it provides to that the, the initial discovery um, of an idea to make sure that the business can actually use that product <laughs> you know it ha- it has the means to actually put that product into action right because if you can't actually put it into action you'll never realize any value and and i think this this is born of the fact that many of us working in data know what it's like to have our teams slogging away working really really hard to deliver initiatives that end up sitting on the shelf for various reasons for ages and ages because basically that last mile piece was not clarified at the start right so i guess this value value-led approach uh, provides that rigor to ensure that there, there is a means for whatever that is created by those data teams to actually be actioned in market. So you have, a, for example, a marketing um, segmentation that can actually be activated into digital media, social media channels through a, a customer data platform. Um, you know, we talked about personalized engines for, you know, kind of user interface, can we actually roll roll out those models in a way that we can actually put, put those ideas in front of a user and then test and learn and see what works? Because if we don't do that, then we're not going to see the, the value realization piece all the way through. And then the third and final piece, and it's not final. There's probably a lot more. We can talk a whole hour just about <laughs> this, <laughs> because I've had so many questions over the past years about it. But the third piece is accountability as well. You know, I think we've also all been in data uh, teams um, or, or kind of product teams in general, where you know you sort of get a request that's lobbed over the fence. You create you create something, and then you know, kind of who owns it, who who's responsible for actually turning it into something that's useful for the business. So I think a value-led approach kind of rolled out well from the start, uh, provides sort of a level of accountability, clear accountability and responsibility for kind of different parts of the the journey of kind of turning an idea into a product, into um, something that that is actually generating uh, value. Um, and that accountability also comes from ensuring that when we launch whatever it is into the market, we are also putting in place the mechanics for measuring, uh, you know, how effective it was, and 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 making sure that feedback so feedback feeds back so we can either make changes or um, kill it if it doesn't work. So I think, you know, those are the kinds of things I I tend to think about and talk about when I'm kind of, you know, taking the the business through the process of a value led approach.
0: Yeah. That's um that's really interesting. Thank you for kind of laying that out in, in in that way. It fascinates me because I think we we have this conversation so much in our industry, right? I think as you mentioned earlier, there's been you know, there's been so much kind of, we've been doing this for so long and often not quite got it right. And that's, in my opinions, kind of led to this situation where now business leaders are very, I don't want to say cynical, but they, they want to know, okay, if we're going to continue to invest in this, what do we get out of the other side of that? And as you very clearly demonstrated, it's a lot of work, right? To be able to get to that point where you can say, well, if we do this, this will, within reason, result in, you know, X equals Y type of thing. And it's very difficult and there's so much conversation and debate in the industry about, you know, how do you do that? Is it even possible? So it's great to see that you've kind of created a, a way or a framework that allows you to do that. And I think the, the, the piece around rigor is really interesting because I think, you know, we all, we've all seen the, the use cases where, you know, data teams have built something. It's a great solution. It's just the wrong solution, or yeah. the it's a solution to the problem of a question that's not being asked, right? You, yeah, you know, so the yeah. to be able to prioritize and make sure, a, is there a value to it, but b, is it is it prioritized right, and how do we? And I
1: think that's a really good point, Kyle. The way you've just phrased it right there, I think with all of these frameworks, they it is hard work, but I, I don't think it should be a blocker to progress in this space. otherwise we think, oh my God, just you know, it's just too hard. Let's just work on XYZ yeah. um, because we know it's going to you know get us some some part of the way. Um, I you know, once you have a, a, a framework in place, what it does actually, the most important thing it does is it allows us to have better conversations about what it is that we're trying to deliver, right it's it's about empowering our data teams uh to ask the questions the right questions of the stakeholders that are that are kind of coming across with all of these ideas which is you know what are you trying to achieve at the end of the day who needs to be involved in this process and do they have the bandwidth to do this what other tools do you need to put in place so that you can actually turn this model into something useful And is there any way that we know once we've succeeded and, and even just having those conversations up front is, you know, is already kind of elevating data to sort of the right place in the business as being partner rather than a service center or provider. Yeah. So um, like, I would say, yes, it's quite tough, but I, you know, for any of the, Anyone listening who is just about to embark on this journey, I would say don't let it deter you because even having like three or four simple steps like that where you can have a better conversation with your stakeholders, it's it's worth doing,
0: Mm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, th- I think that the other part or the other side of that is that, you know, if you, you know, we often hear right about, are we asking the right questions at the right time? Are we actually, you know, be focusing on the business as opposed to just spinning up a solution? And, and I think often that plays into the fact that sometimes our stakeholders don't know what they don't know. Right. So they might, you know, they've got a request, they ask for something they've probably got no idea what that is, what that's actually going to take for you to deliver that to them. So asking those questions, they realize, you know, well, it's not just a case of me, you know, flipping the light switch and there it is, right. You know, it's going to be six it's months classy, worth of work. Yeah. You know, it's going to be <laughs> X amount of cost. Like, do you actually want that? Or, you know, is yes. this just something that was kind of nice to have right. when you, you know, a thought that you had in the shower or, yes. <laughs> you know, whatever actually, the case may well, be. Yeah, what's yeah. really
1: powerful is, do you actually want that or would you rather have this thing instead?
0: Yeah absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and that,
1: again it goes back to having better quality conversations about data
0: mm, yeah yeah so a couple of things then you you've touched upon structure a couple of times in terms of positioning of skill sets people experience different types of teams different areas cross-functional etc talk us through your approach with the kind of team and and structure around data that's kind of seems to be serving the business so well
1: Sure. And we are, we're well into the program, but this is still, you know, a, a kind of work in progress. And the reason for that is um, while there are best practice, you know, principles that we can apply to how we, you know, stand up those teams and and ensure that they're engaging with the business in the right sort of way, every every business area is different. Um, and so there is a necessity to be flexible in in order to ensure that the the you know the way that we roll out data actually lands within the business. Um, but the the way that we're rolling this out is effectively iteratively, like like we said, um, we we will form a cross-functional team with a lead, which is one of the members of my team. Uh, they will have um, uh, certain roles within that team so data, data data expertise within that team, including data scientists, analysts um engineers, ml engineers if needed, depending on um, depending on the value cases that're being delivered for that particular domain um, and those teams work together to deliver against the value cases that have been predefined and prioritized as per the you know the, the process that we've been through before. I think the key thing about what we're trying to do with this operating model in order to embed data into the business is that we're moving from a largely centralized data function to a completely decentralized model. So part of what we need to do in addition to kind of putting the foundations in place, the tooling and the platforms in place, putting the teams in place, is understanding how we ready the teams and ready the business to have those teams be fully decentralized, fully embedded into the business domains that they support. Um, And that, so we call it kind of going native in a way. Um, But in order for us to ready the team and ready the business, we need to think about certain things like, you know, are the principles put in place? Are the, Is the tooling put in, in place? So some of those things are centralized. Um, and then do we have the mechanics to actually run experiments, to kind of measure success, um, to uh, have feedback loops so that we can, you know, do continuous improvement? So all of that needs to be built in as part of the program um, uh, in order for, you know, for, for those teams to be ready to then kind of move out into into the business. So it's a bit like an bit like an incubator. <laughs> I don't think I've ever described it that way sure. before. But it's a little bit like that, you know, because what we we don't want to do is to kind of move into that fully decentralized model too soon, either for the teams or actually for the business. So on the business side, for example, the our data strategy program is also investing in data literacy training, um, uh, and then obviously specific training around tool sets. We're also putting in place of like super user sessions, um, uh, as well as making sure that our teams have the right frameworks to ask the right questions and have uh, you know, uh, um, a robust discussion with, with the team. We wanna be seen as a partner, not just kind of like, again, a service center that either sits in the middle or sits within the team. So it's um, and then the idea is over time, we stand up each team and then we decentralize it into the business. So at the end of the program, we should have a fully decentralized data team working within the business domains that they support, um, but then relying on the best practices and the platforms and the tooling that has been can kind of developed um, in the center.
0: Yeah, Um, that makes perfect sense, and I completely understand why. You know a business like yours especially would go down that route because the complexities of each of the different domains is you know varying levels of complexity and differences and nuances right which uh which makes perfect sense but it's um it's really interesting and also good to see that there's you know kind of an iterative approach to that as well mm-hmm. right because I guess a lot of some of the horror stories that that, that we've seen is, you know, when those decisions are made to go from centralised to decentralised and it's kind of done with a line in the sand, right? You know, we are no longer a centralised team, then it's just kind of chaos erupts, right? You know, and you've yes. got the two different teams that are supposed to be on the same team, just in different domains who are kind of, you know, doubling up on the same work, you know, different tools are being used. to, So it just, yeah, becomes, becomes a bit messy, which... Um,
1: I've definitely seen that. <laughs> Uh, decentralized to centralized to decentralized in other companies before, and I absolutely agree. You know, it does cost chaos. Um, and to be frank, it is can be depending on how it's rolled out quite unfair for the teams and actually quite unfair for the business areas as well. Either way, actually, going from centralized to decentralized yeah. because you know, best will in the world with the right frameworks and everything at the end of the day. It's, it is about the people, it's about the talent that we have, um, and how we nurture them and provide growth in the right sort of way, empower them, you know, either they sat in a kind of in the center or as part of a fully decentralized team that they can call upon the resources needed in order to deliver against this value objective. Yeah. Um, And I, you know, having seen it both ways and having been in companies that have actually tried to transition in that kind of all or nothing sort of way and seen the aftermath of that, I think, um, you know, this, the kind of iterative approach here is really sensible and ensuring that the people uh, and the processes are ready for it as opposed to rushing it and, um, you know, and then having things fall over, as you say.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. You're obviously starting to touch on people there. And before you mentioned about, you know, the importance of that kind of cultural transformation, which is, you know, in essence, underpinning the program itself um, and, you know, the change in mindset and behaviors towards data and how it's applied and how it's implemented and how it's used. Just talk us through some of the steps that you kind of, you know, you're working through to make sure you get that cultural piece right. Because I think that's often, um, my experience tells me, that that's the side of the coin that often gets neglected until mm-hmm. it's too late, and then businesses are kind of retrospectively having to go back in and try to to then fix that, and it all feels a little bit forced, right? Yeah. So, talk us through how you're kind of tackling that.
1: So change is hard. <laughs> that's the yeah. headline, right? Yeah. You know, established businesses and industries um, have, I guess, institutional inertia. And that's born of years of success, actually, in doing things a certain way. Um, why change if it served us in the past, right? There is that sense of inertia, although as as we've talked about right at the start, you know, there is a kind of a renewed sense of urgency now for change, which I think, you know, is, is a really positive catalyst for moving a lot of this forward. The other thing is obviously individuals also are resistant to change, right? We have a natural instinct, uh, cognitive biases that would cause us to steer away from uncertainty you know I think and that that's that's all of us and kind of just recognizing that institutional inertia and kind of individuals um, avoidance of change you know as a starting point it kind of is, is helpful you know in terms of thinking about a program that is going to be a transformational. So I think in order to be successful, um, we need to think and implement things in a very collaborative way. And I know collaboration is one of those buzzwords I know, but if I can just break it down a little bit, as you can see, I love kind of breaking down (laughs) these ideas into three or four parts. I think... um, you know in order to roll this out in order to to ease the process of change um uh accelerate it in a positive way we need to think about collaboration as like on the uh kind of the first point is partnership between between the data teams or the data functions and the business to understand where data can truly drive business objectives and generate value now we've talked about a lot about this already and there are there's you know, kind of push back to that initially. But if you can get that partnership between data and the business to articulate real outcomes that the business can benefit from and actually not just business as a whole, but specific business areas and their KPIs and their objectives and their profitability targets, that means that they will come along on the journey with you because you you, you know, we know that the work that we're doing is going to specifically impact, you know, how successful that business area is. So that's kind of the first bit, that partnership between data and the business. The second element is what well, we've also touched on is that kind of cross-functional um delivery teams. So I've already talked about the different roles that sit within that data function. What I haven't mentioned yet is we work with, you know, adjacent teams within the business to ensure that, you know, we've thought about all the elements of delivery right from the start. And what I mean by that is working with the dev teams in technology, for example, because they, we, you know, they will be needed when we start to implement the last mile, working very closely with governance, and that includes privacy, security, legal, and all of that gets embedded by design. So it's a very collaborative process right at the start from ideation. Um, And that as well, you know, brings people on the journey, but it also stops the, you know, the the roadblocks further down the road, Um, you know, if we're kind of getting everyone involved from the start and they they feel like they're being heard and the principles are being uh, uh, adhered to. And then the third piece, which, you know, cannot be underestimated in any way is bringing in that outside-in thinking. Um, And for us, you know, as we've been growing the teams quite rapidly, um, it's about hiring, you know, the people, um, hiring teams with diverse backgrounds and experiences so that they are coming into media or coming into ITV with new ideas and new ways of looking at problems you know, so we're challenging ourselves from the start, um, uh, having the right people in place, they're actually going kind to, of, you know, be empowered to poke holes at it and kind of go, look, um, we, we did it a slightly different way, or we've done it that way in XYZ industry. And, you know, these are the reasons why it fell over. Um, or just, just looking at, you know, just asking a different set of questions, you know, uh, and, you know, it's been, it's been really brilliant, you know, seeing kind of all of these people come into the, the team over the past year and really, you know, bringing with them a wealth of, of uh, perspective. And I think that's a, another, uh, you know, kind of important element in terms of kind of how we make sure that we're setting ourselves up from a people perspective uh, to kind of really, you know, kind of supercharge this program going forward.
0: Yeah. The diversity of kind of skills and experience and obviously then, you know, background and, and the, the usual diversity metrics is so important. Right. So yeah. as, as, as we've started to realize now that this isn't purely kind of a technical play and all of these other kind of, you know, business facing cultural you know kind of facets that come off this it's, it's so it's so important to have that diversity of skill and experience and, and background and, and all of that type of stuff so it's uh it's not surprising to hear you say that i think lara sometimes i just wonder whether you know the cultural bit is obviously difficult to get right because as you said change um is never pleasant and it's never straightforward and it's never easy but sometimes i do just wonder if you know, if the if the culture of the business, if there's enough appetite there for the for the people who make the decisions within the business to continually want to evolve and be the best version of themselves and what the business can be, I think often that becomes its own driver, right? Though most leaders are willing to put up with the discomfort of change if they know that the business is going to get better as a result. And that collaboration piece is, is huge. I guess probably one obvious question that a lot of the listeners would, would be wanting me to ask is how do you know who you need to go and get on side for these stuff? Like how are those collaboration and partnerships formed, you know, at what, at what level, who, who needs to be kind of, you know, consulted at this from the very get go to make sure this happens correctly.
1: I think I think that's that's a really good point. So I would probably add a fourth point, which is ensuring that we have kind of robust support and buy-in from you know board level members, which is what we did as part of this program. Um, and the way we did it was by taking a value-led approach and tying you know data directly to the corporate strategy and objectives and to corporate you know corporate level profitability so you can actually do that kind of value um value assessment um and you know link ideas to value and profitability as we say that that goes a long way to bringing the most senior levels of leadership on along with you on the journey the only thing i would add to that is i think that sense of leadership with a transformational program like this needs to be at every single level, you know, and that goes to um, you know, empowering the teams to be able to make calls and be agile um at, at at sort of the delivery level so they 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 understand the trajectory of what we're trying to get to. They understand the value that we're that we're delivering, but it's been broken down in such a way that the teams are empowered to kind of iterate, experiment kill things that are not working, optimize and, and make those decisions, those leadership decisions around delivery, you know, in a, in a, in a very agile way. Then kind of the next level is, um, you know, again, having that solid partnership between data and the business. And this is probably at director level. So some of the conversations that I would have with director of marketing or directors of commercial, et cetera, to always sort of align what, what it is that we're doing with their objectives. And if their objectives or their targets or their kind of, you know, revenue numbers uh, change, then we have a good conversation about, you know, do we, does this mean we need to reprioritize? Um, what is the new value targets that we're looking at, etc. Um, and then kind of all the way to the top. So I think that sense of you know, kind of leadership—that the the sense of having, being empowered and having, really good discussions, uh, really good asking, being able to ask really, you know, robust questions around why we're doing what we do. Um, I think it's so so important to bring kind of everyone along on the journey at every level. So because just just having agreement at the top does not mean that it will cascade all the way you know, into the teams, So that needs to be kind of a proactive process, I think.
0: Mm, Yeah, absolutely agree. I think, obviously, testament to the culture that ITV have created, because even when you talk about things like empowerment, or, you know, for something to be fluid, where it can be adapted, if something changes, that in itself is a culture, right, that people are you know, allowed to, to flourish within whereas other organizations i'm sure you know if something had to change as part of a, a big program of work they might be met with resistance and fear because oh you know you know it's not what we said we were going to do and you know so that, it, it's a really fascinating component um lara i'm conscious of time we could yes. probably talk for about six hours honestly but um last thing then before before we let you go um what's been the kind of successful use case for for you at ITV in terms of, you know, some kind of tangible metrics that part of this program has really paid off for you if you're able and willing to share?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we've already had some early wins in in the program because we've taken this iterative approach. So marketing, for example, was the first team that we properly uh, kind of uh, first team that we stood up and the first area that started to benefit from um, building out the the data foundations, and um, it's you know it's simple things like you know efficiency in in the process of creating marketing campaigns. So we've managed to putting putting the right automation and the right uh, tooling, as well as building the data products that 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 are needed in order to activate some of these. Uh, uh, targetable uh, models onto onto social media. We've reduced the time that it takes to um, you know to stand up a, a marketing campaign from months to minutes, yeah. uh, and and already that kind of speed means you know not only is it sort of less onerous and cumbersome for all the different people involved, it also means that as an organization we can be much more dynamic and much more reactive to changes in the business, because from a marketing perspective, especially, you want to be capitalizing on the events that happen in, in the world. And you can do that when, when the capability allows you to do that. But then also, it enables much quicker learning cycles, right? So you know, if you know something is not working, it only takes minutes to put something different up and see if that works, and just continuously iterate in that way. So I think... Um, we're starting to see those successes come through, and there's, there's so much more to do. If I just could take a minute to, to, to talk about where I think this could be really exciting as you know, in the next six to 12 months, as we join up more of the different business ideas, uh, uh, business areas, is, you know, how do we use data to join up objectives across different domains? How do we you know where all of us be it content or marketing or commercial or product? we are we are in general, all about creating a better user and content experience for ITV viewers. Um, and you you know other companies will see this as well, where you know their commercial teams are working to some objectives, the marketing teams are working to some objectives. The website development team is working to different objectives what we'd like to see is how do we join up those strategies using data because all of a sudden we have a language that kind of unifies, I guess, the achievement of certain value, value sets. So in the end, end of the day, we are looking at kind of improving um, viewer engagement, improving um, revenue capacity Um, increasing the number of viewers on the site it's the same across all of those different areas but we haven't before had a common language to actually talk about it in a joined up way so what I'm really excited about is how do we start to do how do we start to do that Um, and that's yeah that's I'm really looking forward to kind of seeing the fruits of that that thinking um, you know soon I hope.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Sounds. Um, sounds very e- exciting times. I guess last question then. Um, how long should people, especially data leaders who might be, you know, about to embark upon this journey? How long is this taking? ITV, you know, from start to finish. What's the expected timescales of, you know, fully transforming the business through this program?
1: Well, we we we're, we're just we're just going into it, Kyle. So. <laughs> I think the the thing to remember is with with any of this is the work is never done, right? I don't think you can go you get to the point where you're like, all right, done and dusted. Um, you know, we've done it now. let's 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 move on. Yep. Um, so I think it's about the journey, which is what we've been talking about this entire hour, right? And you know, the idea of kind of unlocking value iteratively, means that the business doesn't have to wait for a point where it's all done you know they're actually starting to see the value being unlocked in their own business areas in a very soon really from the start of a program and if you are if you're successful in bringing the business along on the journey then it's it becomes self-fulfilling right like you show the early wins and then you get the support and the engagement that you need to kind of roll this out further and then join the dots a- across the different business areas, like I said. Yep.
0: Um,
1: and we're starting to see that. So it's it is real. It sounds a bit theoretical, but it 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 is real, but it is iterative. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of expectation setting kind of upfront as well. But being able to show those quick wins um iteratively, I think is is really key. I didn't answer your question. I won't won't give you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I need a date, Lara. I need a date. (laughs) I'm only joking. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Lara. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being so uh, open and, and honest and kind of, you know, giving everyone um, who's listening to this? You know, some real practical um, advice that they can take away and implement. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to seeing how the transformation um, kind of rolls out for you moving forward.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure for me
0: as well. Perfect. Cheers, Lara. Speak soon. Cheers. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow our group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these too. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. (laughs) I'm so sad. I'm so sad. I'm so sad.